Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And growing up with narcissistic parents is really tough. (laughs) And it can also can really have some long-term consequences that many of you guys have experienced and it's created cycles in your life. And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you want to be a cycle breaker. You want to say this ends with me um, and I won't carry this on into the next 10 years and I don't want to carry it on for my kids. So we have Alundis Havens and he is going to give us his wisdom on how he overcame things. Hello, Alundas. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you, Sarah. I know we both have busy schedules, so I'm glad we finally got to be able to talk on your podcast, and then I'm going to have you on mine in the future. So it's a real honor because I've got to know you on a personal level through Facebook, and then now we're finally able to talk. So I'm like, yeah, you know, we're going to hit it off, click, and, and definitely be able to jump into all those things. Well, I joked before we we hit play and he was like telling me what he's excited to talk about. And I was like, well, we don't have anything in common. So I feel like we should just like, you know, let this one go. And he starts dying laughing. <laughs> so I know this is going to be an awesome conversation. What's the name of your podcast? I, I know, but tell our listeners. Absolutely. So my podcast is The Winner's Paradigm and a little bit of what it's about. It's about recalibrating your mindset. So in my case, abusive parents, alcoholic, narcissistic, racist stepdad. Um, So I had a lot of limiting beliefs, a lot of identity issues. I also didn't grow up with the black side of my family. So I grew up with all Mexicans and that was difficult because I didn't know that side of me, but I really like had problems with it. So my podcast is all about, you know, challenging those beliefs, um, breaking those generational curses, because that's what I found, you know, was doing the similar shit that I said I'm not going to do, but it was something that I seen since I was three, four years old. So I thought it was okay. And then it starts ruining my life, you know? So I really tap into those things um, and help people and say like, Hey, it doesn't matter where you come from. You can align yourself with your definition of success. If you put the work in the time in be around the right people. Cause I know that's a big one as well. You know, as we stick to our little group or family um, and, and they're stuck to what they know. So it's not that it's wrong. It's just, they only know what this is. They don't know what the whole world is versus the little circle they're in. I was in an executive leadership training and they talked about like a goldfish swimming in its own water. And as you were talking, I was like, yeah, we're all goldfish in our, in our own water of, you know, when you were three or four things you saw that you thought were normal, you didn't want to carry on into your future relationships. And I know you have a, a beautiful child um, and you don't want to carry that on into how she sees marriage and she sees relationships, right? A hundred percent. And so for me, adding context, I've seen people coming in and out from my dad, my mom. So when I was younger, I couldn't build those relationships because I was scared. Um, And it's funny, my dad's second baby mama. The only reason why I didn't like her is she'd be like, I don't like the way your dad talks to you. And I'm like, me either. Boom. She gets hit. I get hit. Now we're both upset. You know, so it was one of those where it was like, I learned to just suppress my feelings and not talk about things. Um, but it got to a point where like I started getting older and then I started letting it go to my head. And I'm like, well, all of a sudden I had these confident issues. Now I'm getting girls. And and then I start, you know, like, ah, whatever, going on to relationship, relationship or messing it up with my wife before we got married. And it was one of those where it was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're going to have a daughter one day. She's going to meet someone who's just like you. And then she's going to be coming to you talking about all the shit this dude does to her. And you're going to be reliving it. And I was just like, you know what? That's true. You know, in my case, um, my grandmother did it. My dad's doing the same things. He's almost 50 now. 
I have a daughter, he has one right after me. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, what are you going to do? So in my case, it was looking through the mirror and it was tough, you know, and it was like uh, resenting myself. Cause when I was younger, I hated what I looked like because my dad and me don't agree on core values. Um, so it was something like that, where it was like looking in the mirror again and kind of having those flashbacks as a kid and being like, I thought I told myself I was never going to be this way. Instead, I'm out drinking, partying, thinking I could be the coolest one in the room where it's like, that's not it. You know, what I'm actually passionate about is talking to you on a personal level and be like, hey, Sarah, this is the messed up shit that I went through. And this is how I was able to do it. Or could you tell me a little more about you and what makes you tick and what makes you think in, you know, helping people on that way? What do you think some leftover remnants are. I know issues with confidence and confusion. You talked about confusion as well. You know, if what are some leftover remnants of of growing up um, in an abusive house? So, so funny thing is, and this, this is funny as I talked to one of my other um, business partners, our COO, Tim, and we're talking and I was explaining how I'm really reactive and he was like, wait a minute, you're in the military and you're reactive. How is that? And I'm like, oh, in the military, it's easy. Like if they're above you, of course, you can't scream at them. But if they're below you, they want you to scream at them. So it's pretty damn easy. And I'm like, because you know who you can say things to, who you can't say things to. So you're not just going to blurt off versus like with your spouse, you know, your spouse raises their voice, you raise your voice. So I'm like, that's what's completely different. And that's what's difficult for me is you can try these things and not. So in my case, it was being reactive, but it was really figuring out why I'm reactive. Um, and it's environmental things. You know, it was at home saying certain things. And if I use slang or I got a design in my head, you're a hoodlum and, and my stepdad's going off on me. So in my case, it was like knowing my stepdad, there's things we don't talk about. We don't talk about politics because he's all the way on the right. And he says some crazy things. And then on the same time, like my dad, I knew there were certain things I don't talk about at all. So for me, it left me in that um, all the way up to, you know, getting older. And um, for instance, like my brother-in-law did something to my father-in-law and made him look really bad and, and really painted this image and, and and it pissed me off. You know, so my father-in-law asked me, hey, what would you do in this situation? I'm like, I'd kick him out for disrespecting me and doing something like that. And it was one of those where it's like, you'd really do that to your kid. Like, even if you want them to do better. But in my case, it was good that like I was able to get that feedback that time. And he was like, yeah, you know, that is one way to solve the problem. But I think it just amplifies really what's going on um, to where you guys can't have that civil conversation. Like you got to remember they're young. Not everybody's been through the same things you have been through. So in your case, you know, you may take it that way, but it's not. So for me, it's really, you know, rewiring that. Um, another thing that I'm going through right now, and it's an ever-changing process is um, as all entrepreneurs, you know, we thrive in chaos. So I have a million things going off at once and I need to like slow down. But in my case, it's like doing the business, taking care of the baby full time, um, running a podcast, starting a second podcast for the business. And then I'm finishing up. This is my last month of school. So I hate it, but it was something that I said I was going to do. So in my case, it was like, you're doing it regardless. And now it's hurting sleep. So in my case, it's like really dialing all that in and then, channeling it out. In my case, I've been doing spirituality, um, meditating, praying a little bit. And it's allowed me to journal these things and really get them out because it's no matter how far you go, you're eventually going to deal with something or something may pop up. And in my case, it was like, oh, I feel good. And then all these things start happening. Um, I felt good a month ago. And then two of my friends passed away and I realized I'm a lot worse than what I thought I was um, because it was some things that I needed to be able to tackle first before I can move further in life. Thrive in the chaos. And that is, well, 
I loved it. And I laughed. You know, people on the podcast can't can't hear me laugh, you know, because entrepreneurs probably do thrive in the chaos. And if I told you about my day, you would th- probably throw up. Because uh, <laughs> even I our- you post it. <laughs> um, and I think part of what you did is you had a very chaotic childhood, right? And then it's too big of a leap to go, I think, to go from chaos to calm sometimes. But what you did, which I actually think was really healthy and fabulous, whether you meant to do it or not, is go from like personal chaos to like, hey, let me juggle a lot of plates so that my body still feels comfortable because I'm in chaos, but I'm not creating chaos in my life. I'm actually moving my life forward. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I 100% agree with that. And in my case, um, that was one of the things I was becoming a workaholic. Like I said, I worked the 60 to 80 hours when I was on deployment. I think it's helpful because it got us out of, it's like a healthier addictions, right? It's like an alcoholic addiction. That's not so good, but then uh, maybe there's an exercise addiction. So it's better not to be addicted to anything, but it's better to be addicted to exercise than alcohol, right? It's kind of like a hundred percent. And I was actually just talking to someone about this and it was like, how do you stop yourself from drinking so much or doing that? Cause like, I, like I said, you know, I didn't heal this shit and I'm going a million miles a minute and in the military, it's a high stressful environment um, to where you're constantly being screamed at. You're always doing something wrong. And it's just like that. So like when you get off work at four or four 30, everybody's drinking and we're drinking till the next morning. You know, if it's, if it's not, you know, work the next day, we're going crazy. So for me, it was that, but I'd say it's really about, you know, structuring it. So now obviously like I got the little one, she gets up at six 15 in the morning. Like I had to change everything before I was going at four in the morning to the gym. Now I got to wake up at three. So I definitely can't drink or stay up all night playing video games because then I'm not going to be able to, to get in my workout. I'm not going to be able to take care of her. Um, and it's really about that. So in my case, like even drinking now, it's one of those where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to completely shut myself off because my best friend's going to gra- uh, retire from the military in three years and I'm going to have a couple of drinks for him. But it's like, I'm able to put that there to stop it. And it's occasional times, you know, I took two six month periods off. Um, and then I'm able to, you know, just really enjoy the moment, but it's not like I'm getting hammered and then I'm going crazy and, and doing all this. No, it's like, I'm actually focusing on being in the moment and doing that. In my case, like I always needed something to do. And I know we talked about thriving in chaos, but it was, um, not being able to sit in the room and be calm with yourself, you know? So that's something I've recently been able to do in the past six months is finally been able to sit in the room and control my thoughts or cry it out and write it in journal, because that's something where I've always been like, oh, I need this or the being afraid to be alone. And it's like, you need a new girlfriend because the old one wasn't working. So you get the new one in and it's going good. And then it goes bad. And then me and my wife are together. And then my ex is like contacting me when we were dating. And I was like, yeah, you know, I need to stop the Y first so I can go to the X and tell this to stop. And it was one of those where it's like, where is this originating from? You don't know how to be alone. You don't know how to do that. Why? Because everybody around you does the same exact thing and they don't, you know, face their fears. They don't um, really take accountability of what the hell's going on and realizing, hey, I got these problems. So in my case, it was, you know, it's very uncomfortable. It's one of those kind of like today. Um, where I was starting off, I could have had a bad morning and I'm venting to one of my buddies who's my mentor and we work on breath work. And he's just like, oh, you know, let's have a phone call. So we have a phone call and I'm like, it's the things I don't want to hear. And instead of being like, yeah, man, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. And I kept, I said, try multiple times. He's like, you said, try within the 
12 times in one minute. And he's like, are you either doing it or you're not? And I was like, I am doing it. So do not say try again. Say, I am doing these things. Because if you say try, you're leaving that optimism in there for you to fail or not to believe in yourself. And I'm like, man, you know, so it's really a complete 180 from back then to where it's like I was thriving. I was somehow surviving. But at the same time, you know, and even now I got to combat it is my natural instincts, that survival mindset where it's like I've evolved out of that. So I don't need to act that way. I don't need to think that way. And that's part of it. What's allowing me to slowly break out of the being reactive is, yeah, at one point in time that kept me alive and it kept me safe from not getting abused. But at the same time, like, when is it going to stop? Am I going to keep being that way? And then my daughter is going to be older and she's going to say something and I'm going to snap at her and start screaming. Or am I going to be like, okay, you know, let's play a game. Let's get a paper and pen out and let's write an essay. And it's like the way I want a parent is different than the way I had it. So it's some of those things that like I still work through today um, because I may think it's okay. And then something triggers or we're having a conversation um, with family, with friends. And I'm like laughing because when they say their parents did something to them or the way that they discipline, I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, that's not at all anything close to the way I had it. Like I can even look at my parents' direction without them being like, hey, you got attitude. So it's like one of those when, when, for instance, like I had a friend in high school, I went to his house and he's screaming at his mom, telling her, F you, I'm laughing. You know, I almost peed myself. Why? Because like I would have got the shit beat out of me. I probably wouldn't have got out of that house that day. Luckily, when I got older, I got brave. But um, it was one of those lessons for me. And I'd say even today, like it's something you continually work on with yourself. Um, and I'm probably never going to be at that point, you know, where I'm like, oh, I'm past this because something could trigger it. You know, I can have that moment. I can have that thought. I can get back into it. But it's really about how you can process it. Well, it's muscle memory, right? I mean, I love that you said, I want to point out to our listeners that you said, that skill set kept you alive. Like if if you were going to get hit, you better figure out how to react when something, you know, get away or go and fight and flight. And that was actually your body doing what it was supposed to do to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just not helpful in a conversation with your wife or when you're, you, your daughter's not old enough to do this. But when my kids, they spilled milk the other day and I was like, there's a reason they say don't cry over spilled milk. Right. It's just like, it's That's a mess. True. It's in the floor, whatever, right? But it's like, if I, oh, how dare you do this? Are you so stupid? How did, you know, don't you pay attention to anything? Which is, I guess, what you experienced as a kid. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, that and a little more, but it was really one of those things, you know, like, for instance, like, now I, I curse a little bit. So I would say shit. And I said, that, I'd be like, what the fuck did you just say? And I'm like, oh, here we go again. Or just saying crazy shit to where it's just like, he's talking about hating one group of people. And he asked me, who do you hate? I'm like, I hate everybody equally. I just don't care. If you want to talk it, I can dish it out too. Then I'm the racist bigot and I'm getting kicked out the house and he's swinging on me. So it's like certain things like that to even now, you know, like I'll hear it or like the in-laws, like they, they, they grew up a little bit different. I mean, they had it better, you know? So it's like the way they say certain things or that I'm like, they're, they're ignorant. And it's just like, no, they're not ignorant. They just don't know what it is. You know, they haven't gone through these things and that. In my case, I'm like, people don't understand how it is when like your family don't check on you. No one cares. And then when you do things on your own, you break out of that bubble. Now everybody's talking smack about you and and they want to run to the sources. Like they want to go to my parents and be like, oh, he said this about you, either if it's fact or not. And it's one of those where it's like, you're going to go to somebody who's done the same thing that they've been doing for the past 20 years, pointing the finger to everybody else, but the one who's actually doing better for themselves, actually trying not to be toxic, you have a problem with, but you yourself can't pick up the phone and give me a phone call and say, hey man, what's going on? 
Hello, wonderful. It is Sarah. And if you haven't done so already, I want to ask you a personal favor and say, please leave a review for the podcast. It helps other people know this is information they can trust. You can leave a review anonymously. So just hit the write a review for the podcast and let others know this is a safe place to heal. I'm glad you mentioned that. And that's when dysfunctional family systems are set up just like that goldfish in the water. Absolutely. When someone, when the little goldfish jumps out of the bowl and into there, they don't want to break out. So they just go, oh, look at that goldfish. He thinks he's better than everybody else. Like he thinks he's got wings. He's supposed to be a fish and he's trying to be a bird. You know, whatever, it's, you know, it's silly. But I'm glad you pointed that out because that's happened to so many people. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's hard. You want your family to support you. And it's like, look, I'm trying to do better. This is chaos. I'm trying to get out of it. And people are like, hmm, who do you think you are? No, exactly. And, and what's funny, what I actually took worse than my actual family um, was in high school. So to add more context, I knew I eventually was going to get kicked out of the house and, and I knew eventually things were going to go well for me. So when I was 16, um, excuse me, when I was in eighth grade, I moved with my dad because I wanted to finally have a dad. I felt like there was always a disconnect. He was there for sports. And if not, that was it. You know, if I did bad in sports, it was like, what the hell are you doing? You're a fucking idiot and going all there. So when we talk about, you know, that hard talk and like the get David Goggins and screaming, like that's what I deal with in my head, which that's how I was able to push myself. So in my case, it's good, you know, but it's the external of my dad. Um, you're I push- okay, so I, you're my second podcast interview today. Yeah. And it was a guy who had an abusive dad and he said the exact same thing. And I, and I want to point this out because it's like, both of you have broken out and broken the cycles. Right. And so it was this idea of like, Oh, it was really, it really stunk, but it gave me a hard work ethic. It gave me, you know, in some ways it did. Cause we got to look for the silver lining. Otherwise we're all just like, why not drink ourselves to death? You know, I mean, (laughs) it's rough. You know, no, I, I love how you say that. And what's funny is, is it's that, you know what I mean? And like watching them drink all the time. And it's just like, bro, that's really not me. Like I'm trying to be healthy and I'm over here drinking and stuff. So in my case, it was like channeling those things and, and realizing like I can push myself farther than anybody can. And I believe in myself way more than that. In my case, um, family aspect, that's always really been that way. I was the middle child. So it was everybody was either older or younger. And then at the same time, my parents wanted me tough. So if anybody messed with me, I had to fight them. And it was just that kind of mentality, as well as external, you know, on the street. School was that way, you know, to where it was just fight or flight all the time. So in my case, I lived in that. And then growing up, it was, you know, fighting it. But I became strategic. Like I knew my personality and what to do. And I acted scared a lot of the time. And people would be like, why are you scared all the time? In my head, I'm like, I'm not scared. I just know how to beat you guys, but I'm not telling them that. So it was really working through those things. And then for myself, you know, setting it up and being like, you can accomplish anything. And oh, what I meant to say was um, I had a friend, 16 years old. I went back to live with my mom and I would leave every day, basically. I would do my chores at home. I would go home every single day and do my chores, whether it took me three and a half miles to walk home from a friend's house. I'd do my chores and I would leave. Why? I knew me and my stepdad were going to get in a fight. And it was one of those where it was just like, I didn't want to hear him. He'd say some shit and he'd be like, oh, Trump this and Republicans. And I'm like, bro, like, it's not all that. And at the same time, like, why are you just hating on these people? Or if someone wants something different than you or has a different, you know, um, they like other people that you don't. Now it's, it's, it's a fucking problem to you where it's like, if they like the same sex, they like the same sex. 
just let them be like, as long as they don't push their beliefs on you. But at the same time, we say we're Christians and a lot of Christians push their beliefs on people in, oh, this needs to be in, in, in politics, you know? So it was having those conversations, but I learned, Hey, I need to be out of here. So going to do chores. I slept on one of my friend's house for about two years. Um, I'd be on this couch all the time. I'd be over every other day. It was like two friends that rotated houses on and uh, one of them were still best friends to the, to this day. And the other one, he turned on me and he was just like, you think you're better than us. You think this, and I'm like, bro, that's not it at all. Like, I just want you to realize that you need to wake up and see what the next thing is for yourself versus partying all the time. Cause it's not getting you anywhere. And it was one of those where like, he wanted to point things out. And then the other friend, um, he ends up getting married at like 19. So they're like, oh, he changed blah, blah, blah. And it's like, nah, dude just wanted to get married, you know? So it was one of those where it's like, yeah, it took a little bit. It was a couple months, six months, me and him didn't talk. And then when we did, he was like, hey man, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna focus on this. We're gonna have a baby. And that's why we got married and like all these things. And we went back to normal versus the other guy was like pointing. So I took that to heart. Cause I'm like, bro, your family to me, I still love you, but it's one of those where it's like we're at two different points in our journey. And if we meet up again, we do. It's so hard because it's it's these your ride or die people, right? It's these people like they you literally slept on their couch, like they were your people. And it's heartbreaking. Um, I do want to ask you about your confidence, right? Because I know a lot of people struggle with confidence growing up in a toxic home, and you and you talked about building that confidence. What are some tips you have for our listeners in building that confidence? Oh, so I would say now that I've done it, uh, really just write down your core values and see what's yes! important. Yes, that was I talked about on the Q and A right before this. I was like, write down your core values if you don't know who you are. And when you were describing the strategy of not picking every fight, but sometimes acting like you're scared to, you know, that was so strategic. I was like, ooh, well done. And uh, but it's knowing your strengths, right? Uh, absolutely, you, you, you absolutely too. So I would say from my stepdad's point of view, like that was the best thing I ever learned from him um, was I had to be professional at all times. So like, for instance, like getting stopped by the cops because um, I hung out with the bad people. So they would be like, what the hell are you guys doing or, or something? I knew how to, hey, officer, how you doing? Oh, are you, oh, you're married? How long have you been married? How many kids do you have? That is awesome. And everybody's looking at me. They're like, bro, what are you doing? Why are you changing your voice that way? You You sound white. Like what is going on with you? And I'm like, bro, I just know how to talk to people. Like I know what they want. So just tell them what they want to hear. And then we can go back to moving on. Right. It's not because sometimes people talk about that and it's, um, you know, be your authentic you. And I'm like, yes, that's true. And, you know, if you and I are talking about this and someone maybe is like talking to me crying or I'm talking to my kids who are kids, right? I might use a different language and different conversation around each of those people, but it's not me not being authentic. It's just trying to be a good communicator in the way that those people speak and can hear words. Absolutely. So thank you for, for adding more onto that. So that's where initially I didn't know what I was doing. I just realized like, oh, I know how to talk to people and how they want it. And that's what I really thought and told myself, but it was really like communicating to your audience and finding that right thing. So when we talk about building confidence, like that's something I really had to do. For instance, like I was in seventh grade, I had a dry fit. Um, I played baseball. So I had a dry fit t-shirt and I remember like I was a chubby kid, you know, so this girl pulled up my first baseball shirt and then you can see the dry fit and I, my guts hanging out and everybody's laughing at me. So it was like those things to even like when I talked to girls, it was just like, I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know the social cues. I'm like, why are you touching my elbow? Why are you touching my hand? Could you leave me alone? Like not knowing these things. So like I messed up there to where it was like, 
I just stopped caring about what people think. And I just went. And even one of my best friends, I was like saying something. I'm like, oh yeah, somebody told me this. And he's like, yeah, but that doesn't make sense because you do your own thing. And that's kind of how it always was. Like I felt alone. So I just did my own thing. And then eventually, you know, I had that F off mentality. I'm proving everybody wrong. Um, so initially it worked, you know, I'll say the F off part. Cool. Still, because it works um, to where I'm like, Hey, if we don't align, go the other way. Or in my case, it was really building those things up to where it was like, when I stopped caring about those things and when I'm like, Hey, Sarah, how are you? You know? Oh, um, you, you're talking about the Q and a, how was the Q and a and asking those questions? It's a different conversation than me stuttering and, and not knowing what to say, or, uh, uh, or it's like, hi, Sarah. And then like, all of a sudden I'm just like, can't say anything after I say hi to you and your name, you know? So it was one of those things where I slowly had to build up, but two, it was, you know, the military, of course, um, because I went in there and they, and with me, people love me because I smile a lot and that, so like when I got there, you're a leader. So it was one of those like leadership positions and then going into things, I was briefing, um, in front of a general one time in a, uh, 06. And it was one of those where it's like, I see guys in suits and I start hyperventilating and I'm briefing. And then he looks up at me and, and I was intimidating this dude. He was like 49 years old. He was jacked, probably like 3% body fat and just like, ah, you know, and picking up crazy weight in the gym. I'm like 18, 19, or I was 20 at that time. So I was just like, how the hell is this man doing it? And I was intimidated of him because I've never seen somebody older that was just that good. And um, he, he was just like, hey, you're good. And I remember after that day, I've never really had that fear of you know, talking in front of people. Um, I have a little bit of anxiety that's natural, but I can be able to do it. I can communicate, you know, um, for instance, my partner had an event and I was able to go up there and I shivered a little bit and I was like, yeah, some of the things that happened to me as a child and I started explaining it and how it changed my perception and so forth, you know, and that's where the nerves came in, but it was more nerves because I was reliving it to tell the story versus, you know, being deathly afraid to be in front of people and talk. I love that. And sometimes it can be excitement, right? And or we Absolutely. can our brains because like nervousness and excitement is kind of the same thing. Well, I know people will be excited to listen to your podcast and see where they can find out more about you. So Alondis, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Absolutely. So easiest way to find me, the Winner's Paradigm podcast on any platform for podcasts and then the winnersparadigm.com. Um, and that's where easiest place to find me. And then any social media, the Winner's Paradigm or Alondis Havens. I'm thank you for sharing your story. I know that you went through hard things as as I have and as my listeners have. So thank you for coming and sharing your story with us, helping us become winners and um, helping us become obviously more toxic person proof. Thanks. Thank you, Sarah. It was an honor. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.